Welcome on into Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. It's Spencer German with you, and it's a Friday. Last time I checked, you know what that means. Dominic, you know what that means? Oh, I know what it means, Spencer. Mackenzie, do you know what that means? I know what it means. It's a Hot Take Friday on 92.3 The Fan. We're all coming with our hottest takes. We'll have that for you at 940 as my voice cracks. Lovely. Um, so 940 will go hot takes. We want to hear your hottest takes on anything. Sports, movies, food, anything but government conspiracy theories, especially in an election year. I know, Dominic. Sorry to take to, to rip the carpet off from underneath you. I know that was where you wanted to go with your hot takes. Um, I have one that I think is going to be pretty spicy. We'll see. Um, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to offer as well. 216-474-0092. If you want to get involved in the show throughout at any point, uh, I have two guests lined up for you tonight. Greg Bell of the News Tribune in Seattle is going to uh, stop by, excuse me, in Tacoma, I should say, Washington, is going to stop by because I want to pick his brain a little bit about Andy Dickerson. I also have an interesting Browns theory for you that I will get off my chest here later this hour. And I'll ask later on in the show at at 9 o'clock, Chris Easterling of the Akron Beacon Journal about said theory as well. We'll keep an eye on the Rising Stars game. Or sorry, this is the Celebrity All-Star Game. I apologize. Rising Stars is tonight though too, isn't it? Well, we'll still keep an eye on it because Imani Bates is playing. We got a lot of different stuff to cover. We got the Stephen Vogt interview. I got some baseball stuff for you, after, especially after my conversation with Al Pulowski last night, which I actually want to play you back a nugget from that that I found pretty interesting. Tons of different directions to go. But where I want to start, because I heard the conversation on the morning show with Brandon Tierney of WFAN in New York, and they were talking about the Cavs and the, a potential rematch with the Knicks and all these different subjects that that uh, are sort of playing themselves out in real time during the regular season. And I thought it was interesting what Brandon Tierney had to say about the Cavs and the media recognition because, admittedly, I got a little bit wrapped up last week, or I should, not even last week, earlier this week, I got wrapped up in the outrage of why isn't Donovan Mitchell getting more recognition nationally for MVP? And and he should. And I thought that uh, Brad Doherty had some good things to say about it. He kind of made his plea on, on TV the other night. And then he joined Afternoon Drive yesterday and talked about it some more. And I do still stand by what I said in that it, it is kind of asinine to me that Donovan Mitchell gets absolutely no love, no recognition whatsoever for MVP. But... I uh, I have to take a step back here for a second and walk slightly back my uh, overall feelings about the Cavs not getting love nationally. I'll explain why on the other side. But this is what Brandon Tierney had to say on the morning show about the Cavs not getting any recognition from the national pundits in NBA media. 
But I'll tell you this. At the end of the day, who gives a rat's ass what the national media is saying? You guys woke up on New Year's Day, and you were barely a blip on the national radar. You were, what, two, three games over 500. I think you were 18 and 15. Mm-hmm. Now you're 36 and 17. Who cares what people are saying? I don't know if there's a better team. You know, the Celtics are playing well. But the Eastern Conference, the Knicks have stumbled. The the Bucks can't stop anybody. They're scuffling. Philly's banged up and scuffling. You guys are good. I mean, I'm here to give it up. You guys are good. I forgot my uh, my my normal stance on Cleveland teams, Cleveland players not getting enough attention, and I apologize for that. I can own it. I I can sit here on these airwaves and admit when I was wrong because what Brandon Tierney said was one hundred percent spot on today, and it's normally how I feel. I I've gone into numerous Brown seasons where I've told you guys, you know what. I don't need the media to be talking about the Browns because things seem to go better when people aren't talking about them, frankly. The season seems to be uh, a, a more of a success when there's less focus on, oh, the Cleveland Browns, they're back, and look at this amazing roster they've compiled, and look at all the talent that they have. And when Odell Beckham Jr. was here, it was all eyes on the the uh, the Cleveland Browns, day in and day out, it was this Hollywood story. Everybody wanted a piece of the action. They were on primetime a bunch of times. And what happened? It blew up very quickly in their face. They had a bad year that first year with, with OBJ. Second year was better, than he, but he gets hurt. But anytime the national media turns their attention to Cleveland teams, it seems like it just doesn't go our way. So I'm actually going to walk things back here. And I'm going to say, I'm with Brandon Tierney on this. I'm, I'm, uh, I, 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 and I should have had this stance from the beginning that I don't really need the national media to be just bowing down at the, the altar of the Cleveland Cavaliers and worshiping the ground that they walk on and praising how, how well they're playing when they win 15 of 16 or uh, 18 of 19. No, I don't need it. I do not need it. All I need is for the Cavs to go out play good basketball, prove that the stretch that they have been on wasn't a fluke, and then they'll get people talking more about them. I think, in general, Cleveland teams, the Cavs included, just operate better under the guise of just, yeah, we just don't believe in them, and going out and proving people wrong. That's, that's, that's the Cleveland way of doing things. And I normally take that stance, and I normally stand by that stance with the teams here in town, and I forgot about that until Brandon Tierney reminded me about it this morning. I, I feel grateful that he came on today to remind me and refresh my memory on the way that it is in Cleveland. We are used to not getting the national love, other than the years when LeBron was here. And you know what? Those years, in the years you didn't win a title, it was still fun and enjoyable, don't get me wrong. But you but but because you had the media all eyes on you, it made it where when you lost, everybody was waiting just to like dunk on you. It was oh Cleveland is Cleveland and all oh, LeBron can't win there and it, they, they were ready to just disparage LeBron's legacy again. You don't have that pressure this time. And frankly, everybody's counting the Cavs out right now anyway. Because until they, they're still living off of what happened in the playoffs last year. 
Like the, the the concept here that surrounds the Cleveland Cavaliers is, well, you know, this team got owned in the first round by the Knicks, and until they prove us differently, we just don't believe in them. And I think that plays into at least somewhat what's going on here with the Cavaliers and the national narrative around them and why Donovan Mitchell isn't getting a lot of love because I do think on some level people are just waiting for them to sort of prove them wrong. And I think they've earned that right. I think the Cavaliers, the way they've played, how things, how how, how they look different, they're playing differently, the, the, the players that they brought in that were supposed to sort of change the uh, just vibes and the, the toughness of the team, which we did talk about more last night, I think that they have earned the right to go into the playoffs and prove everybody differently. Like they've earned some trust here in that way to, to go in and we believe that they have a chance to do, that things are going to go differently than last year. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But if the national media isn't on board with that, if the national media doesn't want to want to jump on board because they don't believe in the Cavs and they're still basing their feelings off this team off of what happened in the playoffs last year against the Knicks, then we're just going to have to live with it. But what Brandon Tierney said was 100% spot on. Who gives a rat's ass what the national media is saying about the Cleveland Cavaliers? This is the way that we operate. And, and, and it's funny because every year this stuff happens. Whether it's an MVP conversation, we think a Cavalier deserves to be in it, like Donovan Mitchell. Whether it's a, why are more people talking about the Cavs? Because we say that, and then th- during the Brown season, I get all these people calling and agreeing with me that they, 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 they don't care about national media uh, attention. But then other sports roll around, and then all you want is national media attention. So which is it? For me, and I'm sorry that I lost track of my normal stance on these things. I'm walking it back now. I am making amends for my take earlier in the week that I I, I think just in general, I'm okay with with Cleveland teams flying under the radar. I'm okay with, with the national media not talking about them because then when they go out and they win or they go out and they do pull off the surprise that nobody was expecting then you actually get the people talking about them and it, you, you gain their respect and suddenly I, I love the the tweets and the comments after the, the the Cavs or the Browns or whoever do something surprising where people got to kind of eat crow and they're like, man, I wasn't paying attention to this team enough. I get an absolute joy out of that. More so than the, I'm picking the Browns to go to the Super Bowl or I'm picking the Cavs to get out of the Eastern Conference. I'd rather see the tweets and the videos on social media and the, the the TikTok clips of hosts and pundits and all these different people admitting that they didn't pay enough attention to XYZ team from Cleveland and they should have been paying attention sooner because that team's really, really good. 216-474-0092. Are you okay with the Cleveland Cavaliers not getting the national recognition in the way that Brandon Tierney mentioned this morning. Because like I said, I uh, I got too wrapped up in it. I got too wrapped up in the we're always disrespected thing, which is sometimes just a loser mentality that we tend to have, and I don't always like going that route anyway. But in this instance, I'm realizing the error of my ways, and I should have had that take from the start. Who cares if Donovan Mitchell's not in the MVP conversation? Because if he goes out and he dominates in the opening round of the playoffs 
and the Cavs make maybe make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be so much sweeter. It's going to be so much sweeter if they pull those types of things off without the national recognition. 216-474-0092. Uh, we'll keep this conversation going at Spencito underscore on Twitter if you want to get involved as well. I do have a Browns theory for you. I want to throw your way at 740. We'll get to that. We'll talk to Greg uh, Greg Bell of uh, from out in, in Washington who covers the Seattle Seahawks. Get his get pick his brain about Andy Dickerson. We also got Chris Easterling coming up at 9 as we'll talk Browns. A lot of stuff to cover. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German with you off and running on a Friday here on 92 Through the Fan. Welcome back in. Special German with you here on Overtime with John the Peterlin. JP was off today. Uh, I, from what I understand, he's back on the morning show Tuesday, maybe through Friday next week. I don't, I'm assuming. I know he's off Monday because all the full-timers are off Monday, but us part-timers like me, I'll be here Monday 7 to 11, baby. We'll have Daryl Ryder on. Speaking of Daryl Ryder, I got a uh, I got a clip to play for you next segment. It, it leans into this Browns theory that I have. Andrew Barry, it hit me earlier today. Andrew Barry had some interesting comments at the Senior Bowl about not necessarily trying to restructure Deshaun Watson's contract this year. It got me thinking. Uh, that could be dangerous, but it got me thinking. Uh, 216-474-0092. Where are you at with the Cavs in terms of, do you want them to get the national recognition? Do you feel like that's what uh, we lean in too much sometimes to the Cleveland, woe is me, nobody cares about us thing? Because generally, I back – listen, it's not that I don't understand why people want Cleveland teams to get the attention and be talked about more nationally or have that respect, if you will. But I just – I just have started to not care. Like, if they're not good, I, I, I get a more of a kick out of Cleveland being doubted and then they go out and prove everybody wrong and people suddenly realize, like, oh, man, Cleveland's better than I thought. And that kind of happened with the Browns this year where they kept getting injured and everyone just kind of figured, ah, they'll, they'll fall apart eventually. And then they stayed afloat. By the end of the season, it was like, okay, we actually do have to pay attention to this team. And then they had the Thursday night game to clinch a playoff berth and they were the only game really in town. On the game, people were watching, and people were like, "Man, this they they were pe- people were start th- that that was when the respect came. People started saying, "Man, if the Browns get past the Texans, they could really make some noise. They could beat Baltimore. All these different things." So, um, I I have generally taken that stance that I'm okay. I don't need the national recognition. And so I thought when Brandon Tierney was on the morning show today, and he he expo- ex- expounds on that and says, "Who gives a rip?" what the national media is saying about your team. And he brought up a good point, too. Like, this team was left for dead in December, this Cavs team. Then they get to the new year, and, yeah, they were, you know, they were in the mix in the East. We were all kind of talking, like, okay, they're playing good, but they're playing better than we thought they were going to play without Evan Moby and Darius Garland. And we thought there was a chance they... You know, could 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 get close to what they were last year at the very least, but then they just they took off and soared, and and since the new year they've only lost two games. So, I am hard pressed to, I like I understand why people want that national recognition and they want people to be talking about this team more, 
But, guys, I, I don't need to lean into the woe is me, nobody cares about Cleveland, we get no respect thing. I'd rather, I almost subscribe to like a let the play do the talking type mentality. Like if we really want the respect and we really want the national media to pay more attention and talk about the Cavs more, that'll happen naturally once they, if they keep doing what they're doing. And that'll happen naturally if they go out and they win a first round series or if they go out and they advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. So if if we have to kind of be the best kept secret in the NBA right now, and Donovan Mitchell's got to be the best kept secret for MVP right now, I mean, he knows. He knows how well he's playing. He knows that people in Cleveland are, are advocating for him. I mean, he just heard the other night people chanting MVP when he was at the free throw line. Like, it's it, it he's clearly getting the respect. People are clearly buying into him as a player in, in terms of maybe wanting him to stay here and trying to enjoy the ride rather than just assume he's going to be gone because they're playing so well right now. We know how good the Cavs are. We know how good the Cavs are playing. We know how good Donovan Mitchell is playing. And frankly, in some ways, that should be all that matters. Forget what the national media is saying. I don't need their sympathy. I don't need their... And and, and this is what's funny about this conversation because I think a lot of people subscribe to the, the lane I'm taking here, but I also hear so many others or sometimes those same people, reverse course. And when the Cavs aren't getting talked about enough, they'll be the first people in line like, why don't they talk about this team more? So do we need the national media attention or do we not? I I took earlier in the week, I wrongly started getting all crybaby, nanny-nanny-boo-boo, I feel terrible because they're not paying enough attention to Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. And I'm walking it back after getting fired up here in Brandon Tierney this morning, who is a uh, pretty sure he's a Knicks fan being in New York. I think he talks about being a Knicks fan. I think that's part of the reason why they had him on. So if a New York Knicks fan who's in the national media can level with us and, and, and make it clear, like, does it really matter? Does it matter whatsoever? What's uh what's being said about your team nationally as long as you go out and you play? Who cares? And the fact of the matter is the Cavs are playing really good basketball right now. Even with the two games that weren't perfect going into the All-Star break. And I think there's a lot of potential just because of the way they're playing and the rotations that they have and the depth that they have and some of the new additions that have come on that have, st- have found their roles now that this team is is not going to have a repeat of next year. And if it's going to take them proving that for the national media to finally agree or get on board, and that's the thing too, we can't be bent out of shape about what the national media is saying about the Cavs when a lot of Cavs fans are saying the same exact thing. Because I've had people call in this week and say, hey, you know, I'm just not ready to admit that they're they're better yet. Like, I still need to see it in the playoffs. And if that's your stance, that's fine. But I'm trying to enjoy the regular season, and I'm trying to find some things to take away. I'm not saying game to game that we have the full picture of this team or that one game defines what this team is. But I think, like, big picture, you're seeing some different things, and that is encouraging. So I'm trying to enjoy it and find the meaning in all of it. I understand there's some people who just are going to always subscribe to 
It's not the playoffs, so it's not going to matter as much to me, or I'm not going to be convinced until I see it there. And I'm sure that's where some of the disrespect, if you will, from the national media comes from, but I'm not going to sit here and stress about it anymore. I shouldn't have done it earlier in the week. I'm certainly not going to do it now. If it's going to take the Cavs getting to the playoffs and winning, if it's going to take them flying under the radar, if it's going to take Donovan Mitchell continuing to just dominate and put up big numbers and people finally catch on late in the season and it's too late, like I'll feel bad that he doesn't have a shot to win MVP, but but the I'll let the Cavs do the talking because I believe that this year is going to be different than last year and that they're not going to get pushed around in the first-round series, even if it's against the Knicks. If you're looking for something, too, to tell you the, the to give you a better picture of this Cavs team going into the playoffs, the stretch in March is, is I think, going to be your barometer. Not the full barometer, because, again, you can't replicate, obviously, the play the, the postseason, a, a seven-game series to the regular season. They're not the same thing. But you're going to get battle-tested here after the All-Star break in late February, early March. When you got the Mavs, you got the Knicks and the Celtics, you got the the T-Wolves, you got the Suns, you got the Pacers and the Heat a couple games in a row, you got the Timberwolves again, you got the Nuggets in late March, March 31st. So March is essentially... Your, uh, your your rehearsal for the postseason when you're playing really good teams, playoff teams, and you get to kind of showcase, all right, are we going to get pushed around again or are we not? So if we have to revisit this conversation later, we can. But if they keep playing the way they are, and if they keep winning games because the whole thing during the stretch has been, well, they haven't really played anybody. Okay, well, well if, if they start beating people, I think some of that national recognition will come from the national media. But I also think Cavs fans who aren't on board are going to have to get on board as we see how things play out in the month of March. 216-474-0092. I want to go to Twitter as well, at uh, Spencito underscore. You can hit me up there. Our social media reactions uh, brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Uh, Real Xavier P said, okay, but how many actually eat crow? I am okay with Cleveland teams flying under the radar but I want them to get their proper and fair individual recognition like the awards and the Browns deserved and won. I still need that to argue to argue on these Twitter streets as he laughs. I, I, I Listen, I think you look back at the awards thing is, is interesting because that's like sometimes there's, there's bonuses tied to those things. Sometimes there uh, is incentives tied to those things. So I, I get why that stuff matters. And so arguing for Donovan Mitchell to uh, maybe I shouldn't feel as bad about arguing Donovan Mitchell getting the MVP earlier this week and how he's not getting enough attention because that's more of an individual thing than just the Cavs themselves flying under the radar. And I do think on some level, Mitchell still deserves that. It, it shouldn't just be, well, he's in Cleveland, so nobody cares. And there's other people in small markets who are getting that love. I mean, look at Giannis. Now he's a superstar. I don't know that we put Mitchell on that level yet. Not to say he shouldn't be, but you got to go deeper than the second round to get to that status. So maybe that's what it's going to take. And that's my larger point here. If you take care of business, that recognition is going to come anyway. So why do I need to waste time bitching and moaning and worrying about what the national media is saying right now? That's why I thought what Brandon Tierney said was pretty poignant. And I thought he was spot on. That spoke more so to Cleveland and the mentality we should have rather than the woe is me, nobody cares about us, nobody's paying attention. Let's go to Mr. Buckley 
Always enjoy having Mr. Buckley on. What's up, Mr. Buckley? What's up, my favorite Cavs fan? How you doing, man? <laughs> good, how are you? I'm good. Why is Cleveland the only town that does this, like cries about other cities and the national media? Just let it go. Who cares what people think? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the point I'm trying to make here because I, I thought what Brendan, I thought what Brendan Tierney said this morning was the way Cleveland should go about feeling about this Cavs team. I really do. Well, yeah, it's a good regular season team. They're going to get mopped up in the first round again. But you think so? We, I do think so. I don't. I don't. Okay, think why? You don't think don't they've think changed anything from last year? I, I really don't. I, I'm, I don't think any team fears the Cavs in the playoffs. I, I, they're a good team. They're a good playoff team. I mean, a good regular season team. I just don't mm, think they're built for a seven-game series. I don't, think they're a good, I don't think they're built for the playoffs. And, you know, uh, you know Donovan's in the playoffs. I mean, he's in the NBA picks. He's ninth in the NBA voting. Jalen Brunson's sixth, by the way. Uh, you know, the Cavs, the Cavs are what? <laughs> Trying to slip that seven, in. <laughs> seventh best odds to win the title. The Knicks are fifth, of course. Thank you. But, you know, I, I think they're going to get mopped up in the first round, no matter who they play. Here's, here's the no matter thing. who they play. I think the Pacers are a terrible matchup for the Cavs. I think the... If Why the, do you the, think the Pacers are, t- are a tough matchup? I actually, I, I thought that too, up. but I feel like the, the Pacers are all offense, and yeah, I feel like they, they their lack of defense is going to be a problem against Cleveland if they yeah, met. They I could, really do. They could light it up, man. They could light it up, though, especially in a seven-game series. You know, they, if they played Orlando, you think Orlando gets past the Cavs in the first round? No, no. I, th- I think the Cavs can take care of the, the, the magic. But the the, heat, think, the heat always worry me because it's the Heat. But well, the, heat, the heat, whatever. It's the Knicks that you should be worried about. And like, well, I, the way it's setting up right have, now, I think the, I think they might actually avoid each other, the Knicks and the Cavs. But we'll see. The Knicks just got to get healthy and they're winning the chip. But listen, doubt if, it. If, doubt it. I don't doubt it. I don't. You doubt th- it at okay, all. you think if the Knicks met uh, Jokic in Denver yes. in the finals, they could beat Jokic in the, the finals? Knicks, the Knicks have demolished the Nuggets twice already this season by 40 oh, and 28 but, points. But, Mr. Buckley, you just said that the Cavs are a good regular season team. It means nothing. Right, right, right. So what do what the two wins over the Nuggets up. in the regular season mean for the Knicks? Because they match up well because the Knicks match up against the Nuggets. Teams that I don't want to face for the Knicks are the, the Mavericks and the Suns. Those teams I well, think Of course, nobody wants to face the Suns. I get that, too. But I threw the Nuggets out there because the Nuggets are the defending champions, and they have well, the, they have the, the true unicorn of well. unicorns in, in Nikola Jokic. And, and we can't right. sit here and argue about regular season team versus postseason team and then, and then cite, well, they have two well, wins the over the defending champs in the regular season as well, a reason why we matchup. think that they can win. Well, the matchup favors the Knicks in that series. The ma- they match up well against the Nuggets. The Knicks are the Nuggets' Waterloo. Put it that way. But, like, here, I'd say in the East, I'm not afraid of anybody. We match up great. A healthy Knicks team is going to blow through the East in the playoffs. Now, now if they're healthy, that's the, that's the, that's the issue. I, 1 through 12, I mean, come on, man. The, the Knicks, that's, that's why everybody's on the Knicks jock right now, because they know the Knicks are built for the playoffs. The Cavs All right. All right, Mr. Nope. Buckley. As much as the Cavs don't get enough media recognition – I also think that there's a uh, another narrative nationally about the Knicks. And what that narrative is, is that until they get, like, they won their first playoff series in what? Uh, over a decade? Since Carmelo was on the team? Last year, that was the first time they won a playoff series since Melo was in New York? Since 13, Spencer. Yeah, so over a decade. Correct. So, as much as there's, a, there's maybe... Uh, a uh, 
loser mentality with in Cleveland about, oh, we don't get enough attention nationally. The Knicks get a ton of attention nationally, and the general consensus on them is that they're just going to blow it in the playoffs because it's the Knicks. So, Mr. Buckley, if you want to have the vibrato to go out and say they're going to win the finals and they're going to coast to the East, that's all fine and good. Talk to me in April, and I don't mean after they win like the first round again. I mean when they actually beat a team that is a legitimate title contender because until they get past the Celtics or even get past the Heat, who got to the finals last year, and I, people are going to say that series was closer than it was. It wasn't. The Heat, the Heat took game five off. And the Knicks won it to make it seem like it was a closer series than it was. But they could have easily won that game. Didn't Jimmy Butler not even like play in that game too? Jimmy Butler missed a game, I remember. So it's like, what are we doing here? And listen, I do think the Knicks are better. The OG and an OB trade was great. But, and they got better at the trade deadline. But I'm not sitting here saying they're going to win the championship. And I'm not saying they're going to beat Jokic. Come on. All right, let's take a break. We'll leave that there because when I get back, I have a theory about the Cleveland Browns and something Andrew Barry said that I want to run by you guys. 216-474-0092. Spencer German in for Jonathan Peterlin tonight. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on The Fan. We've archived all of our past episodes so you can hear what you missed, but don't miss the next episode of Carmen and Lima's emerging podcast scene Thursday morning at 10.15 presented by Extend Technologies on 92 to the Fan Extra Channel, part of the Odyssey app. 216-474-0092. I have a Browns theory for you. I know I have a theory as a morning show thing, but I'm giving you a theory tonight. We just got a lot of things to cover. We're, we're doing, uh, I have a theory, we're doing Hot Take Friday, whole bunch of different bases to cover. Uh, speaking of Hot Take Friday, by the way, we are less than two hours out from Hot Take Friday. We're going to do it at 940. So be ready. For my Browns theory, though, so a couple weeks back at the Senior Bowl, I believe it was Zach Jackson of The Athletic who was talking to Andrew Barry, and Andrew Barry made a comment about how he doesn't necessarily think it is a necessity to have to restructure Deshaun Watson's contract this offseason. Um, it was interesting because we all know just given how large his contract is and how much money he's owed that it, it kind of makes sense to be able to move some of this around each and every single year. But this year, because of the restructure from last year, he's on the books for $63 million um, this season, which is... I looked this up earlier. I looked up the top five, the, the quarterbacks we consider the top five in the NFL. That's the biggest figure of any of those top five quarterbacks. Sixty Over 63, almost 64 million uh, in a salary cap hit for 2024. That's not average annual value. That's the actual cap hit for next year. Um, and what what they actually make per the, the breakdown of the contract or what they count against the salary cap rather based on the breakdown of the contract for next season, right? So, when you see that number and you hear that number, it kind of makes you say, well, how are they not going to restructure his deal? Especially when Andrew Barry has has been one of the most savvy GMs in football when it comes to 
All right, let's move some money around, create some cap space. I mean, he worked wonders to the cap last year, whether it was his renegotiation, whether it was Miles Garrett's renegotiation, to ensure that they were under the cap and that they had a bunch of rollover cap space for this year so that they can keep just kind of kicking that can down the road with some of these deals. Like, he has been a salary cap savant, if you will. And so props to Andrew Barry for that. So when you, when you, when you think about that, and you think about how this is pretty common practice in the NFL just in general, it, it makes you realize that, it, or it makes you feel like it's it's highly unlikely that they wouldn't renegotiate or restructure Deshaun's deal to kick the can down the line even further than what they've already done. Which, but, but when they did it last year, they added a voidable year in 2027. But Daryl had some interesting comments on the whole concept of kicking the can down the road and why he's on team, don't restructure his contract, yesterday with Baskin and Phelps. And I heard it yesterday. I thought about it some more overnight, last night, and into this morning. And it's where my theory's kind of based, what my theory's based off of. I'm going to play you the clip from Daryl, and then I'll give you the theory on the other side. But here's why Daryl thinks it actually makes a lot of sense for Andrew Barry to not necessarily restructure Deshaun's deal. Absolutely, and that's kind of why I am uh, in the camp right now of I, I would not, if they're able to do everything they can do this offseason as far as bringing in additional talent without touching Deshaun Watson's contract, I'm all for it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, if, now, if they have to do it, so that they can bring in, then fine. I get it. That's that's what you signed up for. That's just the, you know, the business of the NFL. But I, I, I kind of don't want to see the Browns restructure that contract again, just in the event that there are problems um, and that he doesn't live up. Because then once that bill comes due, you become hamstrung a little bit because I, I, I'm also not sold that the salary cap is going to continue to escalate at a pace to where uh, that's going to have a minimal impact on them. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's this year for the Cleveland Browns is big in, in so many respects, not, not, not just, you know, their future and, you know, where they're going to play football come 2029, but like, you know, it, it's big on the field in the respect of, uh, this this is going to be year three of Deshaun. Um, and are we actually going to see the guy that they gave $230 million to? Is he actually going to be available to play football for them? You know, sure. can he stay healthy enough? Um, it, you know, can they keep him healthy enough? Like, uh, this, this, this is a real big year. So uh, Andrew Berry is going to be real aggressive this offseason. He is every offseason. But um, I – I really hope they don't have to touch that that contract this offseason if they can, if they can help it. I think that's some pretty interesting stuff from Daryl because he he I mean he hit the nail on the head. Like you you don't want to have to you want to try to pay some of this money now and get it off your books because and and, and this is where my theory stems from because Generally, Andrew Barry gives you your very your your very standard answer of yeah, we're gonna assess everything. He doesn't really say yes or no on anything, and he didn't say yes or no definitively on whether or not they would or wouldn't restructure the contract, right? But knowing where Daryl's where Daryl's coming from with those comments, and I've thought similar things just about 
you kind of want to start paying the the money now and getting it cleared on this fully guaranteed contract because what if Deshaun struggles again and you kick the can down the road? Like now you're paying a bill for a guy that may not ever actually come to fruition and pan out for you, right? And so my theory basically is that Andrew Barry saying to Zach Jackson what he did at the the Senior Bowl, that they don't necessarily feel like they have to restructure Deshaun's deal. Are you guys with me at all? That maybe, just maybe, this is an admission of sorts from Barry in the front office that even they are a little bit concerned about the the ROI of Deshaun Watson. 216-474-0092. It just feels like, it, I'm not saying it's 100% true, but you got Andrew Barry making those comments. Daryl makes some really good points about why it makes sense to pay the money now. If you keep kicking the can down the road, and, and we've heard it a million times, when the Browns made this deal, it was made with the the understanding that they, they saw Deshaun as a long-term solution, spending a decade here with the franchise, and that the first five years would be followed by probably another five years. But in two years, you st- we're, we're still left asking questions about whether or not Deshaun can get back to being a top 10 quarterback, an elite quarterback, a franchise quarterback in this league. And until we know that definitively, can you really keep pushing the money down the line if you're not sure you're gonna? he's actually going to be worth an extension after the 2026 season? Because if you're not sure about that, Daryl's right. You can't keep pushing the money down, especially understanding that at some point, this salary, the, the, the salary cap increasing exponentially might level off a little bit. Do the Browns want to strap themselves so badly after this deal is done if it doesn't work out that they have no outs whatsoever and they're just paying the most of the bill for Deshaun Watson after the fact? No. And so they have to be smart about that. I don't know anything in particular, but reading the tea leaves here, and because Andrew Berry came out and said that and said, oh, we don't know if we have to do that just yet, it made me wonder if maybe this is the first admission we're getting from the team that even they aren't 100% sure behind the scenes that the Deshaun Watson deal is going to pan out. 216-474-0092. Are you with me on this theory? Do you think I'm absolutely crazy and I've gone down the rabbit hole? Wouldn't be the first time. We'll get your calls on this and thoughts and tweets at Spencito underscore. When we get back, though, I'm going to talk to Greg Bell, um, who covers the Seattle Seahawks, and we're going to pick his brain a little bit before we circle back to this uh, subject, at the News Tribune, he covers the Seahawks, as uh, we we talk more about this theory I have about Andrew Barry and Deshaun Watson's contract. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German with you. 92 to the fan.